Good morning, everybody. It's a great blessing for me to bring you the good news of Jesus Christ, the message of His grace, the gospel of His kingdom and how He is influencing this world through His power and where that's all going to end up and how we are part of that today. So I want to thank all of you that have slotted in, uh, even if you're just watching the um, broadcast later on today. I trust this message is truly going to bless you. Well, today I want to talk a little bit about, and the title of the message is, Normal People from an Abnormal Place. We are aliens in this world, and what does that mean? How do we live as Christians in this world? Uh, what does it mean to be a citizen of heaven? Because we're just going to talk a little bit uh, about that. And the idea of this message today is to bring you hope so that you can feel and know that uh doesn't matter how things go in this world for now. Things will change. Things will always turn out for the better. And we will always see the kingdom of God manifesting in the earth. For our God is a gracious, loving caring God that has manifested himself in Jesus Christ as a God of great love and great patience, bringing forth who he is into this world. It might be that uh, that we are for certain periods in our time and in our day not see all of that, but that doesn't mean it's not true and it doesn't mean that we cannot live from the, the reality of the truth. If you are an alien in another country and it doesn't go well with that country, uh, you don't find your identity on how it goes in that country, although you wish for the well-being of that country, because if it goes well with that country, it goes well with you. So uh, in the very same way, we live as Christians and we pray and we want it to go well with our countries. We want it to go well uh, with our politics and with all those kind of things, because then it will also go well with us as pertaining to the things of this world. But we see ourselves as visitors here, visitors in this sense that we come from the kingdom of God. We are only visiting the that which is temporal for its passing away, and that which is eternal is to be manifested in this world. So I want to say to you that Jesus Christ, the uh, the one that sits at the right hand of God, who has been sealed in eternal, immortal life, has got his hand over you. And uh, although I know that there are, I know um, people go through difficult times, and as you go through those difficult times, in that time, you might say, God, you know, I don't see uh, the manifestation of your kingdom now. But as you are in that time, Jesus is still seated at the right hand of God. And we're going to look at examples of that in the Bible. We're going to look at the um, the exile, the Babylonian exile. We're going to look how that was taken up in Peter. So maybe like last Sunday, a little bit more of a teaching, a technical message, a Bible study, kind of a Bible study. But I know that this, as this understanding comes to our mind, we bring, it brings rest into our hearts. Amen. Now, I'm going to first, and I want you to respond in the Zoom, those of you that are here, if you want, if you can identify this song, what song this is. Uh, we're not going to play it. I'm just going to read the first few words of it. It says, I don't drink coffee. I take tea, my dear. I like my toast done on one side. And you can hear in my accent when I talk. I'm an... And that would be the title of the song. It was released in the 80s, 1987. Let's see who can get it. If there's anybody in Zoom, if you can get the title of this song. I don't drink coffee. I take tea, my dear. I like my toast done on one side. And you can hear it in my accent when I talk. I'm an... And then goes on in the chorus part. It says there, Oh, I'm an alien. I'm a legal alien. Let's see if somebody can get it. Niku. Niku wants... You don't have an answer. Maybe you can put... Niku. Ah, Niku, you got it. 80s, you see. <laughs> Englishman in New York. So I'm going to talk about us being legal aliens in this earth. And this song, when I was preparing this message, I was thinking of this this whole week. Eliana and I, we were reading in First Peter 
uh, in our Bible studies they do in the morning, and we were talk and we talked about this whole concept, which we're still going to read. And as I was preparing for this last night, the song came to mind, um, and it is so true. Look at this person; he's, he's living in New York, but it's it's an Englishman, and says, "Well, I don't drink coffee; I drink tea, my dear." So who you are is living in the country that you are legally in. I take my toes done on one side, and you can hear in my accent when I talk, I'm an Englishman in New York. Wherever I go, I walk with a cane. And then it goes on, and the crux of the song is basically, be yourself no matter what they say. That is what it's all about. Be yourself no matter what they say. Now, let us read Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. I've ministered on this, I think, three weeks ago, but let's read it again. It says, Our, citizen, however, is, our citizenship, however, is in heaven, and it, and it is from there where we eagerly wait for our Savior, the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, who will change our unassuming bodies and make them like his glorious body through the power that enables him to bring everything under his authority so what he's saying is is that we are citizens of heaven what we are expecting is eternal life to manifest in us and that we are expecting from heaven our savior the messiah who will change our frail bodies or our mortal bodies and make them like his glorious body through the power that enables him to bring everything under his authority so he has got the power by which everything will be put under his authority, and that is the power of the Father. For the Father will bring everything into subjection and put, uh, make it the footstool of Jesus Christ. For Jesus has asked the nations of the Father. So what Jesus Christ did, Jesus, when he was raised from the dead as an eternal, immortal human being, or an eternal, immortal man seated at the right hand of God, he asked the Father, that what is true in him might be true in all people. And G and the Father will see that that happens. That is what the Father will do. And we as people living on this earth, we are awaiting Jesus to or the Father to bring that forth through Jesus Christ. He will bring it forth. He will bring by uh, his authority, he will enable Jesus, by the authority of the Father, he will enable Jesus to change our dying bodies into eternal immortal bodies and so we will live with the lord in this earth so we as the uh, um as as human beings living on this earth we know that this earth is mortal it's passing away it is temporal and all those things but we are living in this world as people that are expecting the eternal kingdom of god to manifest in this world seeing our bodies become even immortal now if you live with that as your reality and the truth from where you live and you expect that you are immediately uh you would be seen as an alien you would be seen as a weirdo what are you talking about this message is even weird to the church <laughs> it's even alien in the church expecting an empty grave expecting the power of uh of, of God's kingdom coming to the earth. You see, church, the problem that we have today is that we have had this escape theology where we are simply just waiting for God to take us out of this earth and take us to a heaven where things are going to go better, not seeing that he is establishing what he wants to do in this earth. That is where the shortcoming is. And uh, I've seen it and I've heard somebody also minister on this. We have a vision of as pertaining to the kingdom of God, maybe for us and our children, maybe our grandchildren, but our great-grandchildren, they're not even part of what we think of when we think of the kingdom of God and the earth. Uh, we would maybe think of our great-grandchildren, it might be that we might say, you know, we want politics to go well because what of our children and our great-grandchildren, but that is there to a certain degree, maybe to vindicate our political views for now. But in reality, we wait for Jesus to return. And Jesus will return maybe today, maybe tomorrow. And we cannot imagine that he might not return uh, in at least the life of our children. So when we raise our children, how do we raise our children? What do we think? What are we 
sharing with our children. What if we, and this one person said this and it did hit me like a hammer. What if we are the early church? Do you think Paul and Peter, just after they've seen Jesus, thought that they would be the early church? And that 2,000 years later, this will still be going and Jesus will still be bringing his kingdom into the earth? Well, I would say that Paul and Peter, towards the end of their lives, were thinking that it's not going to be in their life. Paul, in one of the writings in Corinthians, I could see that he was thinking that Jesus might return in the life of the um, the next generation or some of the Corinthians that was still alive and that he would basically say that he would be presented alive with them that they would still live and that he would have died maybe because of persecution and then there would be a resurrection and so forth now, I don't want to make a too long story of this but uh, what if we are the early church meaning that Jesus might come back I'm not saying it is like that but I think we need to think kingdom thoughts what if Jesus comes back in the year 25,000, and we the early church. Now, as the early church, we might judge our uh, conduct in this earth and what's going on in the earth from the perspective of Jesus is not victorious in the earth. But what if it's early days? If we look at the church back in Jesus' time or just after Jesus in the early church, which we would call the early church, um, 30 after Jesus' death, you know, the time of Paul and the apostles, it wouldn't look as if the church is anywhere. I've even, and I will quote from one of the uh, writings of um, the epistle to Diognetus. This epistle was written a hundred, between 150 and 180 after Christ. And you would find that they say here that Christianity is not seen anywhere. Basically, it's not showing forth in the body, likening the church to the to an immortal soul and then to the world as a body, and that the soul is not seen in the body as what a physical soul is not seen in a body of a human being. You see the body, you don't see the soul. And using some Greek way of understanding on how um, the, the human body works. So back then they were said yeah the church was there but it's not really seen it's a small minute group that's not really bringing a massive change in the world and uh, they were just starting to rise up and people wanted to know who are these people what are these troublemakers they were a small group that were just uh, not really given too much attention and then when attention came they were of such poor people that ugh, they will just kill them they're the poor you know that was what the church is but this is 2000 years later and now we can see the church we do see a change come forth and we would differ with 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 the, the epistle to diagnetus we would say no but the church is showing in the world there is a change taking place and although it is small although it is not what we think we would want to see but god is doing something God is bringing forth his life in the earth, slowly but surely. And if it would be that Jesus only returns in a thousand years from now, how is that going to influence our thinking and our conduct, knowing that Jesus is coming back? And most of all, how we deal with our children, our grandchildren and great-grandchildren, what we think the hope would be for them as pertaining to the kingdom of God. So I do think that that does influence uh, our our lives as we as pertaining to hope because we know that we have an inheritance from God that is eternal and that it is kept for us in the heavens doesn't mean that we have to go to heaven to get it it's kept for us in heaven as what uh, Elena would prepare a meal for me and I would sometimes I'm not hungry uh, at that moment and then she says it would be kept for you in the microwave it doesn't mean that I have to go into the microwave and sit inside the microwave to eat it. It will be taken out of the microwave, brought into my kitchen to the table where I'll sit and I will enjoy it, and it would be from the microwave. So, yes, we are. Um, we need to think of ourselves, as he says here, our citizenship, however, is in heaven. That citizenship is our politic, our way wherein we socially relate to people. The way we live comes from the reality that we have Jesus Christ as our Lord. 
we are in this world. We are citizens, you know, of this world as well. And we've got a dual citizenship. Yes, we are legal citizens of this world. We are partaking in this world as normal people. But we know where our life is from. So I want to read First Peter chapter 1. It says here, Peter, an apostle of Jesus, the Messiah, to the exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. This is now um, basically Turkey. This area here up to northern Turkey, that whole Ephesus, uh, even looking to Colossae, all that, that area there. So this is now written by Peter. He says, The people chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifi sanctifying action of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus the Messiah and sprinkled with his blood, may grace and peace be yours abundantly. Uh, he goes on in First Peter and I didn't copy that. I thought I did. I'm sorry about that. Let me just open it up. He goes on and he says from verse 3, he says, Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith, are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, this is powerful. We as people that are living in this world, I mean, if you are living as an alien in a country, like what Helena and I would be in Zambia, we are legal there, but we are aliens. We have no inheritance there, nothing. We are simply going there to benefit the country in what we are doing. We are not legal landowners. According to the law of Zambia, a foreigner cannot be a landowner. So uh, you can, the, the, for a certain amount of years, you can work the land, but you can never, as a foreigner, be a landowner. So what would my children's inheritance there be? nothing there's no inheritance there's nothing that we can in that i can leave as an inheritance and if my father was there and he was an alien what would i inherit nothing there's no inheritance but what he's saying here and this is very powerful he starts in verse one and we're going to look at this word god we are god's elect and we are exiles scattered through the province of Pontus Galatian. So now, if he would have written to us, he would have said, uh, to God's elect exiles in South Africa, exiles in Zambia, exiles in Holland, exiles in South Korea, exiles in, in wherever you're watching this from. Uh, an exile, what is an exile? Exile is somebody who is not in the country that he is supposed to be in. He is uh, an Afrikaans, he's in Ballingskap. He's, he's taken away in captivity. He's not living in his own land. There's no inheritance for him inside where he is. Now, we as people who are saying that the eternal, the immortal, the glorified Jesus Christ, who he is, who God is, what God is, heaven, the life of the eternal, that is what where we are from, the foundation from where we live, what we have been baptized into when we were baptized into his death and into his resurrection. We are saying we are born again from the living hope, meaning the life I now live, I live in the expectation of the fullness of the kingdom of God, that which is eternal, immortal, to manifest in this earth, for heaven to collide with earth. That is what we are expecting, and we have no inheritance in the mortal. We don't have, but we live as as mortals in the earth yes we are as mortal as people who don't believe so there is a sharing in the with the people of this world but we live as people expecting that eternal immortal. so we are basically then aliens if you look at an alien in a country aliens in countries aren't loved they are most of the time sneered at 
not really loved. It takes years for aliens, generations to be loved and to be wanted in a country. It is, it is just the way it is. If I go right now to another country and I become a citizen there, and even if I would be legally there and I struggle to speak the local language and I've got a business there and, 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 I, and my family takes jobs and so forth, that would be frowned upon by the locals. That is just the way it is. And that is how the Christians was treated. That's how they were treated. They were treated as foreigners. They were treated as none of this world. That's why they would be called exiles, foreigners. That is the kind of thing that's going on here. Now, with that said, we are looking at Peter, and he says that that the church is exiles. We are exiles. Now, where does he get that from? He gets that from Jeremiah 29. And I'm going to read from verse 4. And he's referring to about in the 6th century before Christ, the Babylonian exile, where the churches in Jerusalem, or not the churches, the uh, where Jerusalem, where the Jewish people were taken in exile, and they were taken away. And it says here that this is now a prophecy to them, and this prophecy was given to the people that were taken in exile, and it was a prophecy against other prophets, There were other prophets that were going about and they were prophesying what the people made them prophesy, what they wanted. And that was, listen, this exile is not going to last long. It's going to be a short time. Then you're going to be out of here and you're going to go back. But this is then Jeremiah's word. Jeremiah's word is different. He says, this is what the Lord of the heavenly army says, the God of Israel says to all the exiles which are taken from Jerusalem into exile into Babylon. Build houses and live in them. So there where you are, build a house, live in them. Plant gardens and eat their produce. Take wives and fathers, sons and daughters. This take wives is not from the Babylonians, obviously, it's from the Jewish people. He says, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so they may have sons and daughters increase in number, in number there. Don't decrease. Seek the welfare of the city to which I've exiled you and pray to the Lord for it, for your welfare depends on its welfare. That's amazing. It says, for this is what the Lord of heaven, the heavenly army says, the God of Israel. Don't let the prophets and the diviners who are among you deceive you. Don't listen to them when they tell you their dreams. Indeed, they're prophesying lies to you in my name. I didn't send them, declare the Lord. He goes on and he says, For this is what the Lord says, When when Babylon's 70 years are completed, I'll take note of you and will fulfill my good promises to you and bring you back to this place. So he says you're going to be there for 70 years. What does that mean? He's basically saying to all of them there, basically none of you are coming back. Your children and their children, and their children, they will come back. You might not make it, make it back. But continue there, live there, build houses there, have wives, have children, father, sons and daughters, let your sons marry. And if you go and look at Daniel, is even get involved in the country. Live there as if it's your own place. Pray for its well-being, because if it goes well with the city, it will go well with you. And listen to verse 11 then. It says here, After 70 years I'll bring you back to this place. And then the famous verse which we always quote, For I know the plans that I have for you, declare the Lord, plans for well-being and not for calamity, in order to give you a future and a hope. When you call out to me and pray to me, I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I'll be found of you, declares the Lord, and I will restore your uh, security and gather you from the nations and all the places which I've driven you, declares the Lord. I'll bring you back to this place from which I've sent you into exile. So Peter uses this and he says to the people in uh, Asia Minor, he says to them, listen, you are exiles. So what is he also saying there? He says, listen, you do have a land, you do have a country, 
You are as foreigners. You have the heavenly Jerusalem. You have an inheritance that is incorruptible. So when you see the corruption of this world, you don't have to live as if it is your life that is falling apart. So when we're looking at the our countries, when we look at the politics that's around us, when we look at what's going on around us, we know that we are exiles and we know that we have an inheritance Listen to this. I want to read it again. Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy He has given us new birth into a living hope. So we are, the new life we have is on account of the hope we have which is alive and cannot die. It says into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. So he says, listen, uh, think of exile think of the jews back 600 years earlier 700 years earlier think of them what they were going through their inheritance was jerusalem and god promised that they would bring them there and he did bring them there at this stage uh, jerusalem was not destroyed it's still not 70 a.d uh, and they are living in Jerusalem, God did bring them back. But know that you as Christians, you as believers, you that are Gentiles, you that are Jews, that are believers, we are still living in exile. We are now under Babylon, which is Rome, and also just mortality itself. We are under that, and we live now as people that know we do have an inheritance. We're not unsure of our future. We know what God will do. We're expecting the return of Jesus Christ. We're expecting immortality to, uh, to manifest in us. And that will bring forth a certain way of living in us. And with that said, I want to go to this wonderful epistle to Diognetus. I only discovered it this week. Somebody sent me a message uh, on this. And it is just I said to Elena, I don't know why I didn't know about this in Bible school already. It would have really been such a blessing to me. But then she said to me, but now you know of it. Glory to God. Could have been another 10 years. Now, this letter to Diognetus was written by what I, what I believe, if I read it, um, an apostle of John. Not apostle of John, a disciple of John. He calls himself a disciple of uh, or a student of the apostles. So he must have known several of the apostles. He must be someone like Polycarp, which was, we know, was a disciple of John. So he must have been one of the disciples, I believe, in the way he writes about the word that was from the beginning and so forth, one of the disciples of John. And he is now giving an um an explanation to Diognetus, which most probably must have been a lawyer or somebody that was high up in uh, Alexandria. And uh, they asked about Christianity and what Christianity is about. Why are the Christians not serving the idols? Why are they differing from the Jews? Um, you know, and then he answers them. He also wanted to know why Christianity only started now. If it is the eternal God, why is it a new thing? Questions like that. I could really advise you to go and read this. It's the epistle to Diognetus. Just go and search the PDF for it. It's for free from the internet. Go and read all of it. It is really eye-opening. Now, this is how Christians lives. This is chapter 5, the manners of Christians. Now, this was written between 150 and 180 um, AD. And I think that it must be in that time, because if you study the early church, you would find that the early church, Paul and Peter and those people, they were really still into Jewish way of living. I think it would have been quite normal for Peter the day after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to maybe that next week to go and maybe offer, offer a turtle dove or something. It, um, it is possible because they were Jews. They were in the Jewish system. It, was, it still took time for them to understand what was going on. But this letter, there's already a big difference between Christianity and Judaism. There's a massive difference between them. So that dated a bit later, maybe 150 to 180 after Christ. Okay, so this is what he says about the Christians and how they lived. It says, For the Christians are distinguished from other men, neither by country, nor language, nor customs which they observe. For they neither inhabit cities of their own, nor employ a 
a peculiar form of speech nor lead a life which is marked out by any singularity. In other words, they're not marked out like what the Jews were marked out by a singularity that says we circumcise. They, they don't have something like that. Um, the course of the conduct which they follow has not been devised by any speculation or del- deliberation or of inquisitive men. Um, nor do they, like some, proclaim themselves to be advocates of merely human doctrines. By inhabiting Greek as well as barbarian cities according to the lot of each of them, uh, they follow the customs of the natives in respect to clothing and food and the rest of their ordinary conduct. They display to us their wonderful and confessedly striking method of life. They dwell in their own cities but simply as foreigners. As citizens, they share in all things with others and yet endure all things as if they are foreigners. Every foreign land to them is as their native country and every land of their birth is as a land of strangers. They marry as all of we do. They beget children, but they do not destroy their offspring, meaning they don't offer their children in sacrifices. They don't want to destroy their offspring. They want their offspring to continue in the earth. They have a common table, but not a common bed. They have a common table. Anybody can eat with them. They love people, but they don't have a common bed. They're not involved in sexual immorality. Listen to how the Christians lived. They are in the flesh, but they do not live after the flesh. They pass their days on earth, but they are citizens of heaven. Isn't that beautiful? They pass their days on earth, but they are citizens of heaven. They obey the prescribed laws of the country and at the same time surpass the laws by their beautiful lives. Isn't that beautiful how they live listen to this they love all men and are persecuted by all can you see they are living as citizens of heaven in this country in 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 the earth they love all men and are persecuted by all they are unknown and condemned that's exactly what uh, aliens are an alien in a country is people don't know him but they just condemn him because he's from another place and that is how it is to them. They are put to death and restored to life. They are poor, yet make many rich. So these Christian people, they were poor people, but they were making many people rich. The next is so beautiful. They, they are in lack of all things, yet they abound in all things. They have very little of things, but they are content and happy in all these things. Why? Because they know they have eternal life. They know they are not defined by what is mortal and what is happening now in the here and now. They are defined and that by what is eternal and immortal. They know that that will return to the earth. They know that the life of God will manifest in the earth and that gives them this hope of eternal life gives them a birth of a brand new life in this world the grace of God has now empowered them unto a brand new life that is what's taking place here he's he's describing the life of the early church they are poor yet they make many rich they are in lack of all things and yet they abound in all things they are dishonored and yet in the very dishonor they are glorified They are evil spoken of and yet justified. They are reviled and they bless. They are insulted and they repay the insult with honor. They do good yet are punished as evildoers. When punished, they rejoice as if quickened into life. Can you see these people are weird? They are weird. They living in this world. They following the laws of this world. They pray for the well-being of the country. That is what we find in the scriptures. Pray for your leaders. 
you are in exile, but if it goes well with the country, it will go well with you. So you pray for your leaders. You don't stand up and revolt against them. You pray for them. You bless them. It will go well with you. But yet, when it goes bad with them, what do they do? They bless those that curse them. These are people that are not of this world. What kind of a species are these? Why would they live like that? The reason why they would live like that is not because of laws that they are obeying. It's not because they are scared that they're going to go to hell. The reason why they live like that is because of the life of the eternal, immortal God that is poured out on them and they have been baptized into that reality and they are awaiting the return of the Lord which they believe is the Lord of heaven and earth they believe that his life which he was if you go and read Acts uh, not Acts Hebrews 13 it says that Jesus Christ went outside of the city and there he suffered and then goes on it says let us therefore also go outside of the city we're not part of this world and let us there endure the suffering that people bring upon us you know meaning that we are here as a people we know that God has destined us for the earth he has destined us to be the people in which he would pour out his life in the earth we are not hopeless we know that the inheritance we have which would be the full manifestation of God in this world we living in that hope and from there we have the life of heaven already starting to manifest in us the reason why these people could live like this was simply because heaven was starting to manifest in them that is what this is all about. It says here, when punished, they rejoice and if, uh, as if they quicken to life. They are assailed, assailed by the Jews as foreigners. The Jews even reject them. The, when Jews get saved, they reject them. They said, and when persecuted by the Greeks, yet those who hate them are unable to assign any reason for their hatred. And that is how it is many days with Foreigners. A foreigner can come to your country, he can live in your country, he can be a person that's a better person than the very citizen. But And you can find nothing wrong with him, but he's simply just hated because he's a foreigner. And that is how Christians were treated. Now I want to tell you that is how we in many areas can be treated. It's not because we're doing anything wrong. We love we are kind, we have the life of God, and then we look at people ill-treating the church and we might say, but that is not fair, that's not right, we want to stand on our rights. But it's because we are foreigners, that's why these things can happen. But I want to tell you, although we are living as if we are foreigners in this world, we will inherit the whole earth as the church. That's who we are. That is what we have by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That is what he has destined for us. That is what he has dreamt for us. That is the dream that he has. So we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to live as if we don't have a, a, a successful end. We will have a successful end. It might not be in our life. But we are multiplying, we are having children, we're not going to live as if the world is going to fall apart tomorrow. Even if it's difficult now, we invest in our children. Even if I go through difficult times, it doesn't matter. I have children and I teach them the gospel of God's grace. I teach them the love of Jesus Christ. I teach them the death and the resurrection of Jesus. They get baptized into this and I teach them that this is what they'll teach their children for God has given that the earth and the fullness of it belongs to God. The nations has been asked by Jesus from the Father. The Father gives the nations to Jesus. He will restore all things and therefore I don't have to have my life born from what is temporal mortal and that is what is passing away my life is born from the resurrected christ his love for me his union uh, uh, towards me and how he has dealt with me not according to my sins not according to my weakness not according to anything that is of the law but he's dealt with me according to what is always wanted for me and promised 
I was thinking of something that is also here in this epistle to Diognetus, which, man, I need to read this. Um, this is so, so powerful. It talks about the revelation of Jesus. It says here, uh, the mystery state of man before the coming of the world. It says here, before Jesus came, men believed that God was fire, God was a stone, God could be a piece of gold or silver, um, God could be elements of the world, therefore the whole physical world could be God, a, a whole confused state. They didn't know who God was. But then it says here in this epistle, which is also written in John, I'm not preaching something that's not in the Bible. It is just conf confirming what the Bible says. It says, and Jesus manifested God through faith. And that's how we see God. For God, the Lord and the fashioner of all things, who made all things and assigned them to their several pro pro uh, positions, provided himself not merely as a friend or proved himself not merely as a friend of mankind, but also long-suffering. So, Nobody knew God, but Jesus revealed God, not only as a friend of mankind, but also long-suffering in his dealings with them. Yes, he was always of such a character and still is and will ever be kind and good, free from wrath and true, the only one who is absolutely good. And he formed in his mind the great and unspeakable conception, this is now by John translated as the word, which he communicated to his son alone as, as long then as he held and preserved his own wise counsel in concealment, he appeared to neglect us. And to have not cared for us, but after he revealed and laid it open through his beloved, he bestowed all the blessings at one time upon us, which was from the beginning that we could share in his life. Isn't that beautiful? He says that Jesus Christ has revealed that the Father has planned something for, for us from the beginning, yet there was a lot of misery, there was a lot of pain in the world, but he revealed what he's dreamt, the wonderful word, to his son. And then in his son, he revealed that God is not a stone, God is not a fire, God is not full of wrath, but that he is made out to be the friend of God and long-suffering in all his dealings with man. And that he has uh, not neglected us, although it seemed as if he's neglected us, but through time, he's prepared something for us which is that we can share in his life that is what he has prepared for us and now he has come and he's started to take what he has prepared and he's bringing it forth in the kingdom and he's scattering the seed everywhere what's beautiful also in this uh, epistle to Diognetus it says there that I've mentioned this but he says that as what the soul and he's using the Greek understanding of the makeup of a human um, and he says, as what there is a soul that goes to every part of the body, although the soul is not seen, but it is the life of the body, uh, we could also use the word spirit, as a spirit is in every part of us and makes all of us alive, that is what the church is to the world like the unseen spirit that gives it life. I want to tell you, this world is alive because of the church. We are the spirit of the world, if you want to put it like that. If the world is the body, the church is the spirit, and this world is continuing because we are in it. And the whole body, this, this whole church, the, the, the whole world will be taken over by the life that is inside the church. Now, I want to end off with this. Earlier this week, I also uh, read a bit about what was called the um, Munster Revolt. This was in, my gosh, the 14 or 1500s uh, in Germany. And what took place there, maybe some of you will already know about that. What took place there was there was the Anabaptists. The Anabaptists were the people that, 
believed that you have to re-baptize people. So they were basically saying the Catholic baptism is wrong and we are now, uh, to a certain degree, followers. Um, yeah, they, wouldn't, they were reformers, but then they went, went on with a baptism thing and they says, no, you first have to believe and then get baptized. And then they had prophets amongst them. And these prophets said, listen, man, in this... Uh, Munster, is that the right, Munster, this town, Munster, uh, Jesus is going to come back to Munster. And they went there to wait for Jesus. And then what they were doing is they were saying, we need to set up the kingdom of God in Munster. So we must change Munster into this Christian town and they basically ran the Catholics out of town and um, th they wanted to break down the the all their buildings and those kind of things because they said they are busy with idol worship because of all the dead bones and all the things they have in the Catholic churches. And they became, what they wanted to do is they wanted to bring the kingdom of God to earth by their own power instead of simply being like a seed that is scattered everywhere, not trying to change the nation to try and bring the kingdom of God to that nation, but simply living as God's people. And whatever God is doing in the individual is the life that God brings. They tried through politics to bring the kingdom of God into that town. Do you know what happened? At the end of the day, it became so weird. There was wars, there was battles, and then the leaders of the revolt was eventually taken. They were tortured to death, and they were hanged on cage, in cages on the tower of the, of the church building. And you can go right now on Google, and you can say Munster Revolt or Munster Cages, and you will see those cages are still hanging there today. That is, and let that be a good sign for all of us thinking that we are going to bring the kingdom into the earth through our politics or through our works or through anything like, anything like that. We as the church, we are the people of God. God is doing his work by us simply believing in Jesus and having the fruit of the Spirit and that being brought forth in our children and we teaching the gospel to our families and those around us, that is enough. That is what God is doing. And there is a day wherein God has determined when Jesus Christ will come back and he will set all things right. We simply believe and live as if we have an inheritance that cannot fade away. Our inheritance cannot fade away by how leaders are treating the country we cannot do that yesterday i spoke uh, on whatsapp to one of my friends from uh, canada and he said that some of the products they use in their business has gone up up to 300 percent from COVID until now now that's crazy i mean if we look at those kind of things man it hits us in the heart if i look at the fuel price we go into zambia imagine you're driving to zambia and just fuel there and back you're talking about 30,000 rand it's expensive uh, you, you think of what's happening in the, in the country around us I don't it is something that wants to touch the na the natural mind but the moment I read Peter and I see here listen to this he has given us we, we have a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for us who through faith are shielded by God's who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last day. So our inheritance, and if you read the King James, it says that we are shielded by God. We are shielded and our inheritance is shielded. So we don't have to live. And that's why we live in this world, not as people that feel our lives fall apart because of the things that are going on in this world. Our inheritance as well as our lives are kept safe. And a life that's born from that reality looks maybe a little bit as if we are Englishmen in New York. That is what it might look like. It might look a bit different. It might we lack all things. Now, I mean, 
I cannot say that I lack all things as pertain to the material things, but the church back then, many of them, or the majority of them, were seriously poor. Seriously poor people. Yet, these poor people, they make other people rich. Their life enriches other people. And they will, from their poverty, even give. Why? Because they are not trying to build up an inheritance wherein they are trying to create an inheritance. They know their inheritance is already sure. And they don't believe that their inheritance will not be manifested in the earth. They know it will be manifested in the earth. They know they'll be raised from the dead. They know Jesus will return. And they will know that they will forever live with God. If we read in the scriptures as well as even in this epistle to Diognetus, we'll find that the Christians live as foreigners because they're expecting the resurrection. They're expecting the new kingdom to manifest here. And it also says there that their lives is basically how people, the lives they have is how they're already experiencing heaven today. And that is what we are today. The peace that you have inside your heart is because of the kingdom of God that's in your heart. And I want to encourage you, and this is my word to you, church, and I end off with this. Our inheritance is sure. It cannot fade away. Therefore, we don't have to grab a hold of what is happening around us and let our lives be born from that because we have a sure salvation and we are even kept, we ourselves are even kept by the power of the Almighty God. Our inheritance is sure, our salvation is sure, we are sure in Him. And that's how we live in this world. Amen and amen. Glory to God. Isn't that absolute good news? I want to just say this. As we, and I wish one could, I think we should have a, a church meeting here at my house again um, and just sit and discuss these things. You know, maybe have a short message and then let everybody open the scripture and let us talk about this because the application of this in everyday life, what that means as pertaining to relationships, what this means as pertaining to business, what this means as pertaining to so many things is so life-changing. And I think the dynamic of discussing this and talking about this and bringing, uh, it, it, it will bring so much peace to our lives because this that I'm teaching here as the truth, which can be regarded as a theory, once this is believed upon, and one asks the question, what does this mean in everyday life? It changes everything. It changes everything. Well, glory to God. Um, I want to just say this. We are still waiting for our vehicle to be repaired. Uh, we did receive spare parts. It was supposed to be here on Wednesday already, but it came on Friday, and then it was too late to... Um, to be put into the vehicle so on monday that will be done and hopefully the vehicle will then be fine so uh, if that is fine then uh, i will let you guys know when we will be leaving for zambia if it is the car is fixed on monday or tuesday we will then not have a service next sunday but if it's later than that if it runs to thursday or friday obviously we, we then i will wait and we will have a service so uh thank you so much for everybody thank you for your financial support towards our ministry thank you for just living as the people of god in this earth and allowing the lord to bring forth his grace and his life that is for free a life of no condemnation where we have a clear conscience towards god where we look at the world and we don't say well if things go wrong what's wrong with us where we look at the world and we don't feel guilty because we the church are not changing the world or things like that uh, we are not going to make a munster out of the kingdom we are living in the life that God has freely given us. Well, thank you so much that I could bring this message to you, and then we will chat again later. God bless.